2: What's up, guys? Welcome to Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can also email the show at PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text the show at 865-658-5824. I'm uh, rolling solo as of right now. I'm still waiting to hear back from Tim. He may hop on here in a minute. We may get a little bit of uh, Emilio in here as well. Although, on the weekends my boy emilio likes to sleep in he's already spilled the beans on that and and i got to be real with you guys i went out with some uh some friends last night and and uh, had a cheat day right so i hammered about i don't know about 10 wings that were double breaded deep fried the whole 9 yards so i'm feeling a little bit uh i i don't i want to say hungover food hungover but maybe that's a, the the right way to describe it nonetheless we're going to get in here and talk a little bit of talk a little Packers here and uh, and get ready for the Chargers game. We got a little PFF preview for you guys. We got several videos we're going to share, too, which is really, really cool. Um, you know, Kurt Warner actually put a tweet out that I wanted to respond to. And uh, it's maybe it's an opportunity just to learn a little something here this morning. Um, but uh, I know the chat's already filling up here. Appreciate you guys hopping in here. We got Omer in the house. We got Derek K. Um, let's see who else. C-Dub Irving in here. Chris N. Good morning, Chris. Good to see you, buddy. Um, it's funny too, because uh, Derek Kaye commented in the chat, said Clayton had to push it back ten minutes, to let that Java kick in. And like I said, man, right here in the chat, I said, gotta let that diesel warm up, you know what I'm saying. Every morning, man, get that dark coffee, put a little cream in it, you know what I'm saying? Get that espresso uh, style coffee. How do you guys drink your coffee? Let me know in the chat there. I'm I'm curious to see if anybody's like me, if they're a weak sister and have to put some cream and sugar in it, but I'm a big sweet Italian cream guy personally. So um, with that being said, Chad, Chad, Inc. in the house as well. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you. Omer always in here chalking it up. So let's just get right to it, man. Um, Kurt Warner put a tweet out. I think it was in the last couple of days. Um, I just noticed it. I noticed it yesterday, maybe the day before. And when I got to looking at it, I'm like, you know what, this might be a good opportunity to, to kind of share a little information on the old, old West coast offense and, and what he's talking about. Right. And it's not just the West coast offense that uses a uh, precise footwork too. Um, all offenses kind of incorporated it, but to the best of my knowledge, Bill Walsh, when he was in Cincy, was the first person to really try to tie the steps in with the routes and make everything um, as precise as possible as far as timing goes. Right. So, um, here is the Kurt Warner tweet I'm going to read to you guys. And basically what he said was, um, as the shotgun trend takes over all levels of football, one of the biggest flaws created from it is quarterbacks tying their feet to the routes, too often setting too early and making them play faster than the concept and get impatient. It's why routes were originally tied to steps under center. When steps correlated directly to the routes, it was naturally better timing and connection between the two. I know many have tried to figure out the same thing with the gun, but I think it's impossible because of different variables in the gun. Uh, In parentheses, he puts the speed of the snap, foot placement, position of the ball on the snap, et cetera. Um, The results is more quarterbacks playing with foot timing, read determined by when my feet set instead of mind timing. Uh, Read is determined by the timing of the routes in my mind based on practice and under center reps. And it's messing a lot of quarterbacks up in my opinion and and what he's saying here guys basically is you know with the old bill Walsh system they would tie steps to the routes so you knew when you took your third step on a three step drop you knew exactly okay as soon as my third step hits that route it's time to throw that route right and in some cases you're already through two or three reads before you even get to the drop right and they would have maybe two reads tied into where you could you could throw to either of those two reads and in other situations, it was, okay, one, two, three, check down, right? And, and Aaron Rodgers did a great job on the McAfee show earlier this year kind of talking about that. Uh, now Nowadays, you've got, uh, you know, within the West Coast offense, another way to read the defenses, and we've talked about it on this show, and I don't want to bore you guys with those details again, but in a nutshell, you're just reading half the field. You know, is it middle field open or middle field closed, meaning are they in a shell? Are they two two safety high or are they just one safety high, right? And, and basically, the teams that show the two high safety puts the quarterback at a disadvantage because they're showing the same look most of the time, and the quarterback can't gather that information. So he has to read it pre-snap regardless. Every quarterback's got to read pre-snap. So if you come out and the safeties are always on the shelf, right, and you snap the ball, now you you have no information that you've gathered as where if you've rotated the safety into the box and you're showing blitz from a certain angle you're tipping your hand a bit that's why sometimes you see the quarterback will do a hard count not necessarily to get the the defense to jump offline but if they do great but also it's gathering information as they hit that hard count and you see the nickel the nickel creep a bit and you heard Peyton and Eli talking about on the Manning Cast actually looking at the DB and the linebackers feet and seeing is the is there is all their weight on their heel or is it on the ball of their foot or the toe? And that's telling them whether they're rushing or dropping back. And you're gathering that information. I know people used to get frustrated with Aaron Rodgers and I've heard people get frustrated with Jordan Love saying, I thought this was going to change this year, taking the play clock all the way up to the last second, not all the time, but a good majority of the time. The reason being they're gathering that information. You know, one of the reasons that Bill Belichick was so successful uh, there in the early two thousands against the great Peyton Manning is because He would wait. They got his timing down. They watched the tape and they said, okay, at what point does he commit to the look that he's already dissected, right? As far as the play clock, the time left on the play clock, let's don't show anything until we reach that point. And when we reach that point, that's when we'll move into our actual defense. So Peyton will come to the line, right? You hear him, Omaha, Omaha. He's out there. He's reading the defense. Okay, he's setting this. He set the sets of protection. Makes a couple of changes with the routes. He's good to go, right? Well, they learned that. Let's say Let's say it was four seconds on the play clock, right? That that was the time that they come up with. I can't remember the exact time. It's been a long time since I watched that that documentary, that special on that. They would come come out and go, okay, don't show anything, and then at the four second mark, all right, get in position. Now move up if the safety's moving into the box, if the backer's gonna slide over and cover the flat, all those things, right? And Peyton would get the information, set the play to beat what he's seeing. And then right before the ball snap, they move. There's no time to, to reset the play. That's why you would see Peyton burn timeouts and get so freaking angry because Bill Belichick had figured him out, right? So um just a, a little side note, and this is the type of things we want to talk about on this channel, you know, to uh, to kind of give people a little bit of insight into, uh, into how the, the positions play. Now, listen, I'm no expert by no means. You can tell by my accent, I'm not an expert, right? These are just things I've learned from watching football over the last 20, 30 years. Right. And, uh, and trying to pick the brains of other people, um, you know, people, that's why we, the guests we, tr- we have on the show, I'm trying to find people who know more about football than me. That way we can all learn something together. Because to be honest with you, I don't like talking. I hate being on camera. Like, this is as awkward as it gets for me not having anyone else on the show because I cannot stand being on camera. I would much rather have other people come on and us take an opportunity to learn something and learn something together rather than be the one sharing the information. So with that being said, again, that Kurt Warner tweet, um, I just thought it would be cool to share that. Now, I've got a video that ties into it. And as soon as I read this, I went, let me see if I can find that clip. So I've been doing some digging, a little bit of editing and uh, found that clip. And you can find this for free on YouTube uh, under NFL Films' YouTube channel. It's – guy that's one of my favorite channels. Make sure you subscribe there. And a lot of other people have shared this video as well. But this is basically um, the footwork aspect of the early West Coast offense there, specifically in San Francisco. And not being told by, you know, analysts or people like me, it's being told by Hall of Famer Steve Young, Hall of Famer Joe Montana. Um, Mike Holmgren, you know, who was obviously one of the most successful coaches to come out of the Bill Walsh tree,
1: but let's play the video. Execute Walsh's offense. We talked about my footwork and he said, look, if you'll just follow the directions and the footwork that goes with each
0: pass pattern, I can tell you the timing for when to deliver the football into who on your feet. I'm like, what? So every step counts the timing of the, of the play itself. Every step by receiver, every, certainly every step by the quarterback. And so I started to learn the footwork of the West Coast offense. Young down the middle. He makes the catch! Touchdown! Which told me by timing when to throw to a certain guy, drop back, hitch up. Back to throw. Stepping up, throwing for the end zone. Touchdown. And he's like, just follow the directions and you can play quarterback. Footwork, footwork, footwork.
1: I'll tell you, the problem with it right now, look at the feet.
0: I still hear it in my sleep. You just have to keep harping on the feet because they'll get lazy when I... Turn on the film and go, hey, footwork. You know, this is a five-step drop. You took, like, three big and a hop, and that's why you feel like you're waiting on them because everything's not ready yet. We put steps in here for a reason. There's a three-step drop, there's a five-step drop, five-step with a hitch, seven-step with a hitch, All this is all timed so that things can open up for you at a certain time. I remember Bill Walsh talking to me one day, and he goes, Ronnie, look at Joe's feet. They're just beautiful. They're just beautiful. Pretty, pretty. I was like, really, Bill? He's the most graceful, quick-footed, nimble quarterback we've seen in many years. It's almost sensual, his movement.
1: Graceful. Nimble. Sensual. No wonder much of the football world saw Walsh's team as less than intimidating. Coach, how would you describe your football team? Is it a finesse team? Finesse is
0: not the word for our offense. It bothered him. I think it bothered him a lot. For every person that said that we were finesse, he wanted to go punch him in the mouth.
2: I love Ronnie Lott, man. That dude was, whoo, we need a Ronnie Lott on this team. I think everybody could say that. But um, So just kind of give you a little insight of the footwork, right, and um, and how it was so important to the early stages of the West Coast offense and, and should still be important today. And that's what Kurt Warner saying. After watching that video, again, let's look at his – tweet one more time here okay as the shotgun trend takes over all levels of football one of the biggest flaws created from it is quarterbacks tying their feet to the routes too often setting too early and making them play faster than the concept and get impatient it's why routes were originally tied to steps under center okay um so you know another thing too that you got to take an consideration look at Andy Reid in Kansas City right um, Andy Reid has evolved over the years, and it's why Andy Reid will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, many people just tie Andy Reid to Pat Mahomes. And listen, Pat Mahomes is one of the greatest ever do it, right? But Andy had a lot of success in Philly, didn't get over the hump with McNabb, right, but had a lot of success in, in Philly. He gets fired in Philly and takes the job um, in Kansas City. If you go way back. Andy started in the West Coast offense, right? He was under Mike Holmgren. Um, the success they had in Green Bay together, I think he was—I think he was the OC in Green Bay, if I remember correctly. If not, he was—he was definitely the quarterback coach for a minute. He may have been the quarterback coach the entire time, but I think he made it to OC. Nonetheless, Philadelphia hired him from what he did there. So he takes the West Coast offense and builds an offense around Donovan McNabb. But well, we all know Donovan McNabb was a much better scrambler than Brett Favre, right? So he kind of shifted that offense to fit a mobile, you know, more uh I don't know, more dynamic quarterback in uh in Donovan McNabb, right? So, they had a lot of success there. He goes to Kansas City and what's he do? He really shifts to the shotgun big time. Now, he played a lot of shotgun in Philly too, but just his ability to evolve, right? So, you've got to you've got to kind of reevaluate things over the years and say, okay, how important is the footwork? It's extremely important, right, especially for a young quarterback and you're trying to use a timing-based offense if you're under center, right? That Those things are very, very important. But you also got Patrick Mahomes and you got Travis Kelsey and you had Tariq Hill for there for a while, right? So you've got to play to your strengths. I think that's why they went more to the option, the choice route approach. And, and that's the thing, too. There was a lot of people last year complaining about, well, Aaron Rodgers is refusing the offense, running the offense. We all know that's a lie now. Um, it, you know, it's well, uh, you know, look at what they're doing in Kansas city. It's because they got a quarterback who's running the offense. It's like, you have no clue what you're talking about. Kansas city is, is as backyard ball as it gets. There are so many choice routes. Like I remember hearing Greg Cosell break down how Kansas city was so effective against the quarters coverage. Right. And Greg Cosell was laughing. He's like, everybody's acting like they reinvented the wheel here. They're, they didn't reinvent anything. All they're doing is stretching the field vertically, right, spreading it out, what we talked about on here, stretching the field vertically, and then having choice routes underneath to just make sure you're maximizing the leverage you have on the underneath defender, right? Um, so that's kind of how they approached it, and that's how they've had so much success. Now you see teams catching on to what they're doing. Guess what Andy Reid's going to do? He's going to adjust even more. And it's funny because Kansas City's still one of the top teams in the AFC – I wouldn't be surprised if they're the Super Bowl favorite. I don't know what the odds are on the Super Bowl. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it, he's he's always going to be willing to adjust. And as long as you got Pat Mahomes at a quarterback, you're always going to have a shot to win, too. And, and Kelsey doesn't hurt, that's for sure. So, um, But that being said, I just thought we would kind of cover that uh, kind of cool uh, there. And, and, again, when you talk about our off- offensive identity, the reason it, it really struck a chord with me and thought, okay, we'll share it on the show is because of this right here. We talked about this yesterday. Um, you know, when we're talking about what is the identity of this Packers offense, this is the percentage breakdown of how they run their offense. You see it right at the top gang. They're in shotguns 72% of the time. So when you see Jordan back there kind of hopping around and we've talked about that, that little hop he does before he turns it loose. And in some cases you don't see it affect the throw at all. In other cases, you're like, ah, he's got to step into that, man. He's got to set his feet, right? Um, when you play shotgun 72% of the time, right, and you're only under center 28% of the time, you kind of throw the footwork out the window, right? I know Matt LaFleur isn't telling him, don't worry about the footwork, but, you know, bad habits die hard, right? When you get so used to, you know, playing in the gun and like Kurt pointed out, you know, just the in- inconsistency of a shotgun snap takes you out of rhythm, takes you out of uh, out of sync and out of the, the quote-unquote good habit of what your footwork should be like playing the quarterback position, so... I thought that was uh, kind of neat to just talk about. You know, all the other stuff doesn't really apply to this conversation, but the seventy-two percent shotgun uh, definitely does. So I just wanted to kind of, kind of mention that anyway. I think it's important to keep our finger on the pulse with how that stuff works, right? Um, let's see here, what we got here. Nick McSwain said, "Wasn't he trashed for benching quarterback to play Mahomes?" He was. He caught a lot of flack for that. If you guys remember, it was Alex Smith. Alex Smith the year before, if I remember correctly. And the years run together on me, man. As I get older, but. Um, if I remember correctly, Alex Smith was an MVP candidate that year, right? Um, he was he was in like a final three or final five of MVP talk. And then the next year they decided to go with Mahomes. And it's really cool to hear Alex Smith talk from his perspective because he's like, man, we have seen it in practice. We have seen him run the scout team. And it was like, my God, look at that! Look at that sidearm throw! Look at that no look throw and everything on the money. So he knew they're going to go to him quick, right? But yeah, he did. He he caught a lot of heat for it, but you kind of got two different scenarios. You know, look at Green Bay's situation and look at Kansas City's situation. It was the right move. They went on and had immediate success. I think Pat Mahomes is one of the youngest quarterbacks to win the Super Bowl, right? So they got over the hump really, really quick. Pat Mahomes' first year as a starter, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong. If you guys know the stats, look them up. Um we'll we'll share it here. I'm pretty sure that Pat Mahomes had a lot of success his first year as a starter. Um he he I, I would venture to say he wasn't you know, tied for second with the most interceptions, right? And that's not the bash Jordan. It's just facts are the facts, right? Um, and, again, there's going to be growing pains. And Pat Mahomes, I think we would all say, probably had better targets, you know, at the time. So it's important to mention that. But um, let's see here. Steven Smith going to judge me for a minute. He said, breaded wings, WTF. You need to come to Buffalo and get the real stuff. Man, I would love to come to Buffalo and have some real Buffalo uh wings for sure man i i got several buddies who are bills fans up there uh one lives uh out toward uh gosh canastota i think is how you say it and they're like man you got to come up here to a bills game with us i need to make that happen i've been talking about it for four or five years now so i need to get up there and uh and witness uh experience the tables and uh and all that of course they can't throw me through a table man with my back it'd be over in a second um Let's or what Omer said. Uh, Favre was a great scrambler. Mahomes is Favre 2.0, unorthodox, but they scrambled and used their unorthodox throws. Uh, they both ball. Yeah, the thing about Favre, too, is it's it's actually come out of his his mouth. And he said people were like, yeah, you know, you scramble a uh, lot, this and that. And he's like, it wasn't that I thought I could scramble. I didn't know where the ball was going. Two totally different things from Mahomes to Favre, right? Um, although Mahomes has made comments in the recent, uh, recent past here about he wasn't truly reading defenses until like after he would already won his first Super Bowl. He's like, man, okay, I can I can gain a real advantage if I go out here and study and, and read the defense. But he's a freak, no doubt. Um, let's see here. Sam H. in the chat said, fun fact, Watson's closest comparison in terms of his route running analytics is Martavius Bryant. Okay, that's good information to know for sure. And since you kind of talked about that, why don't we jump right into um, a little bit of Christian Watson? And Jordan Love talk. Listen, we've we've talked about on here Christian Watson struggling, right? He's having that sophomore slump. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but some of the some of the hate on Christian Watson is really really unwarranted. You heard Love come out earlier last week and talk about how he's got to help Christian more. He's got to put the, he's got to throw a better ball there and this and that. Um, the part that's embarrassing to me, and I'm going to try not to go on a rant about this, but. It's embarrassing to me when people are going on Twitter and attacking Christian Watson, attacking his family, um, and just, you know, embarrassing the entire fan base bashing Christian Watson and defending Jordan Love as if Jordan Love's been perfect. And then Jordan Love goes right behind them and defends Christian Watson. Like you, you think you're doing a good thing for the Packer fan base when all you're really doing is making it necessary for for Jordan Love to have to come out and now defend Christian Watson. That's the part that really drives me crazy. But we got a video here, and this was uh, from Packers.com. You can check it out for free. You can go to their Twitter page. They got it on there. It's on their YouTube channel. Make sure you guys give them a like, subscribe, all that stuff. But uh, here is uh, Love's message to Christian Watson when they went inside the locker room. Then there's some bonus material there as well. The best of the locker room. Fans in the media were expecting Christian Watson to pick up right where
0: he left off last year. That has not happened. Here's Jordan
1: Love.
0: My message, to Christian, is just, you know, keep your confidence. Don't, don't let any of that stuff, um, you know, ever wait, let your confidence waver or anything like that. Like, I got complete trust in Christian. Um, I know he knows this. But you know, the ball's gonna, like, I trust all my receivers. The ball's gonna come out regardless. You know, so uh, just keep that confidence. You know, we all. You know, when you're losing, a lot lot of people want to point fingers, things like that. So it it happens. You know, it comes with the territory. You know, he's a professional. He knows that. And that's everybody in the locker room. But, uh, you know, I told him just keep that confidence up. Keep making plays. Just move on to the next one. The Packer wide receivers held a little powwow of their own in the locker room after the Steeler game. Jaden Reed explains.
1: We just got that kind of relationship where... We all gravitate towards each other we all with each other uh, We
0: don't get away from each other and you know we try to find our solution on what we can do better to become a better unit and finally here's carrington valentine on the challenge of facing a duo like justin herbert
1: and keenan allen i've never backed down from the challenge in my life uh, you know, no matter what it's been, what aspect of it, and I'm, I'm not going to start now. So, you know, no matter who I line up against or, you know, who's across from me, you know, just, I feel like I'm going to try to give them a problem. And that's just, you know, this is who I am. I'm, I'm a fighter. So, I'm going to go out swing it no matter what happens.
2: I'll tell you, what you're noticing here, guys, is we've got some young leaders emerging. And that's really, really exciting. I mean, when you're talking about the way Jordan is defending his receiver and, and just like a coach, when you speak to the media as a player, as a leader on a team, you're speaking to the other players. That's what you're doing, right? Uh, that's one thing that I feel like Aaron didn't do well. I appreciated personally that Aaron Rodgers would speak his mind and you'd know exactly how he feels. I think so many times we're like, oh, they never say anything in the pressers. The coaches aren't. It's just word salad, blah, blah, blah. And then when a player speaks out and tells you how they really feel – because people disagree with the opinion, now they're mad at them that they did that, right? So um, I I think it's important that both the coaching staff, that's what's so weird about some of Steno's comments earlier in the year, but nonetheless, it's important for the coaching
1: staff and the team leaders to understand, right? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. What you're saying,
2: uh, every time you speak, you're speaking to the team, right? It's very, very important that you know exactly what you're saying because you're talking to the team, right? And we'll bring Tim here live in Green Bay Tim. We're in all kinds of conversation. Oh, look at that shirt, dude. That shirt, man. That's got the old school, old school feel right there, brother.
0: Them Acme Packers.
2: Well, sir. You got it, man. You got it. I
0: probably hear- I was uh had a had a bit of a night last night. <clears throat> so I'm up sands coffee. Let's go.
2: Hey, there you go. I was sitting there going, man. Maybe I told him nine thirty, but it's all good. We just been <laughs> here chatting it up. Uh, no, see I'll it be running.
0: Uh, I'll be running stairs later. Sorry, coach. coach
2: <laughs> <fist>. Shoot. Hey, <laughs> as the leader of this podcast, uh, you never you never tell anyone to do anything you're not willing to do. So no, you're not running stairs. All right? I know I'm not running those stairs. So um, we were just uh, in here chatting it up a bit. Sam H uh, ran down the numbers. So Pat Mahomes, his first year, had fifty touchdowns. That is wild, absolutely. We were kind of comparing, you know, because someone uh, said in the chat, you know, keep in mind Andy Reid took a lot of heat for uh, starting uh, starting Pat Mahomes over Alex Smith, who was an MVP candidate at the time, you know. But uh, Chad Ink says, yeah, Mahomes first year as a starter, he threw five thousand and ninety seven yards, fifty touchdowns, and twelve interceptions, a QB rating of one thirteen point eight, insane stats. That is absolutely wild, man. And again, I I'm one of those guys. I kind of root for the underdog. So when someone gets on top like that, I find myself rooting against them a bit because I want parity throughout the league. I want I want the, some of the old guys to get their rings before they retire. So when you got a young whippersnapper burst onto the scene like Mahomes, you know, although you like everything he stands for, he's a stand up guy for sure. But uh, anyway. Um, Let's do this. We uh, we kind of covered Kurt Warner a little bit, his West Coast offense, and uh, or his wet, his talk about the footwork of playing under center, not just the West Coast offense, but the NFL globally. Uh, we also covered uh, Love's message to Watson there, showing a lot of leadership. Absolutely love what he did there. Tim, we can get into a little bit of a preview here if you'd like. We have uh, – you know what? Let's talk defensive identity first, and then we'll get into the Packers Chargers preview before we wrap up. That sound good to you, buddy? Perfect. All right, here we go, man. So, as far as the defensive identity for the Packers defense, you know, there's there's many people. One guy tweeted at me one day. This blew my mind um, when I was pointing out that they're playing a lot of man coverage, you know, this year. And, uh, you know, you've heard us talk on Chalk Talk and throughout, throughout the early season here on this show that, you know, people who still pretend like they're just always playing off and playing quarters coverage, they're not really understanding what's going on on the field. And when I tweeted about that, a guy hit me and said they're only playing four percent man coverage. And I said, Okay, can you get can you give me a link to that? Because, like, man, my information must be way off. You know, that's what I'm thinking. He never provided a link. I hit him back three times and was like, Hey man, you got that link. Never got it. Right. So here is their defensive identity according to the 33rd team. All right. So we're in base 30% of the time. We're in nickel 64% of the time. We're in dime five percent of the time. Okay, so what does that mean, and why are they in base and nickel? Some people play Madden, okay? <laughs> Some people play Madden, and they've convinced themselves that no matter what the personnel is, well, we could just come out in a big front here and stop the run. You're matching personnel right? Now you can get creative with big nickel. You've heard me and Tim talk about that, where you replace that extra corner with a safety, right? Or, you know, yeah, you you, you replace that extra corner with a safety. So you're kind of playing with a hybrid. We call that big nickel, right? Some people called it Okey back in the day. There's a lot of different nicknames. We're not going to get caught up on the lingo. But when they come out in a 21 or 12 personnel, meaning one running back, two tight ends, or two running backs, one tight end, you're going to match it with a base of the time. Well, some base defenses are four threes, four down linemen, three linebackers. Others are 34s like ours, three down linemen, four linebackers. The difference between the two, we don't have enough time on this podcast to explain, but in a nutshell, in a 34 defense, the goal is to put... Three three hundred plus pounders on the line of scrimmage, and typically it was designed for them to play two gaps. Right now, you've heard us talk about when you move a safety into the box, you have that advantage where you can play one gap. Now you got the best of both worlds. When you come out and you play a thirty-four base, and you're playing one gap because they got one back, and your guys still they still aren't able to attack at the at the point of attack. They're not able to succeed at the point of attack against the run. That's frustrating. That's what Joe Barry was talking about. That's what Matt LaFleur was talking about, right? So nonetheless, we're in base 30% of the time, nickel 64% of the time, dime 5% of the time, okay? Dime is just an extra DB. So rather than your nickel 245, you might go to the dime look where you've got six DBs as opposed to just five. So essentially what that typically means is instead of three cornerbacks, you've got four cornerbacks and two safeties. Okay. Now that makes you very, very vulnerable in the run game, obviously, right? And some people would like to play dollar in that situation. We won't get into all that. Now, as far as gap run and zone run, uh, we were we faced gap run 31% of the time, and we faced zone run nine or sixty-nine percent of the time. Now, here's the number I wanted to get to, Tim. We're in zone coverage sixty four percent of the time. Okay, this was supposed to be a quarters zone match coverage, Vic Fangio style defense. When we hired Joe Barry, the first year they had success. The second year they took a little bit of a step back. Right now, this year they're they're believe it or not they're still in the top ten in points per game, uh, points per play, all those things we've talked about. But we've shifted now to a little more man coverage. We're playing 21% man now this year. And, again, we've pointed it out. You want to know why you're getting gashed in a run? In my opinion, this is my opinion. I could be wrong. But I think it's because you're trying to play more man coverage. And I hate to say it, but it almost feels like it's to appease the fans. <laughs> it's what it feels like. And, Tim, we said it before, man. I hope they're not listening to the fans because we're a bunch of knuckleheads out here, right? <laughs> you know what, Clayton? It does
0: sound like that. I mean – yeah, when you see that, what can we pull up last season's numbers? What, How much man did we play last year? Yeah. I, it, there's no way 21% of the time we were in man coverage last yeah,
2: year. I'd be a hard time – I'd have a hard time believing it because it just seems like every game I go man right here, man right here. Um, I'm willing to believe it's almost double from last year. I bet you last year we were probably
0: 10, 10% of the time. Yeah,
2: I don't know. We, know. we need to look that up. That'd be my note. Know- I know there's a big difference – and the other – there's a big difference from 2021, I know for sure, but – or 2022. Um, yeah, 2021, I'm sorry. Um, the, the other thing, too, is some people – and you – anytime you look at analytics like this, you've got to assume these guys read it accurately, but it's hard to even understand if it's man coverage or zone in this style of defense because of the zone match principles. You know, there's sometimes I go, well, that half looked like they're playing man and this half's playing zone, right, because there's so many different calls. I listened to a pod. I can't remember which DC it was. It wasn't of a, of a crazy popular school, but there was a college defense coordinator that said in their cover three zone alone, they had ten different calls. Some wow. were, you know, some were a safety would cover the flat. Others where they would have the hook zone. Other where that same safety would be covering deep center field. Other where the opposite safety would actually come down and play what we call green dog, where they would be man up on the on the running back and they would blitz if the running back stayed in there's just a lot of different calls when it comes to it for sure but back to the defensive identity again 64% zone 60 or 21% man now three rushers when we rush the quarterback with only three rushers we've done that 5% of the time okay four rushers 61% of the time five rushers 30% of the time six plus rushers 3% of the time and uh you're bringing pressure of the time. So the six plus rushers, typically when they bring in six plus rushers, we're playing what we call goose, what I call goose or zero coverage. It means goose. there's a goose egg up top. There's no safety over the top. It's just, everything is, is pretty much man coverage. And the guys who aren't in man coverage, they're blitzing. And you may even have a green dog in there too, where, okay, if that, if they do decide to pass for some crazy reason, blitz, because you've got the running back, just don't get caught up in the wash. Right. So, Um, I thought it was important to kind of look at that and try to understand exactly what the defensive identity is. But Tim, what sticks out to you there, man? You got any comments, any questions, anything like that?
0: Um, So I'm guessing that a lot of this is that mod you're talking about when, like man on demand, when we're like in this zone set, then it ends up some of our guys are basically have man to man assignments.
2: Correct. So with mod, um, that's an aspect of zone match. And when you run mod, it's, seemingly what it means is man on demand, meaning when they reach a certain threshold, whether it's five yards or seven yards, it now becomes, in some cases, 10 yards. It now becomes man coverage. Another thing is, um, it's, you know, like with, with zone match, it's if and then, okay. And what I mean by that is if, you know, you're lined up on the number two receiver, right? If he does this, then I do that. If he doesn't do that, then I'm staying in my quarters coverage. So, you know, it, the call may be for for that man on demand and that, uh, that uh, specific situation would be okay. If he doesn't break the five yard threshold, right, and he breaks in, right, then it's not man on demand. If he takes it seven yards and runs a post, it becomes man on demand. Meaning now it's man coverage, now you're manned up on it. That's what we're talking about with man match zone match principles, right?
0: That's probably where we saw a lot of mistakes last season. Where guys were, you know, in that role, and they were passing off guys to nobody because they weren't, they weren't picking up their man on demand. Am I correct in the, kind of seeing that? Is that what we
2: were seeing last year? A lot of miscommunication is the best way I know to explain it. And yeah. again, without that's the thing that's hard too. And we try to say it on chalk talk, uh, Tim. Is because without us being in that in that meeting room, we don't know what the exact call was, right? right. And all you can do is okay read their posture, read their technique, and try to understand, okay, what do you think the call was here? Most of the time, I would venture to say nine times out of ten, you can understand the base of whether it was zone match or man coverage, right? There's been a couple this year. You've heard me. You'll see on Chalk Talk, I'll just put a question mark. I'm not sure here. Either he had a blown assignment or this is a defense I've never seen before. (laughs) So, yeah. Nonetheless, uh, thank you for the super chat there. Uh, josh martin we appreciate it i'm gonna pull that uh let me pull that that back down here so they can see our ugly mugs here tim by the way man loving the haircut brother looking all cleaned up oh looking- thanks man feels good that, don't it that that's
0: where i was yesterday when i got the uh when i saw the tweet about emmanuel wilson's
2: <laughs> That's right. So for those of you who don't know, Tim actually got to meet Emmanuel Wilson yesterday. He was out there helping look for the puppers. Did they ever find him, man? Have you heard? No,
0: I, I checked Twitter. I haven't seen any updates. They yeah. they do have that search area narrowed down. And um there's a local group up here of uh some really nice ladies that are out there. They have trail cams set up, they've got a dog bed, food. They think they know the area. So I'm I'm hoping that they'll they'll find Emmanuel's dog mark. Um yeah. But yeah got to meet coach lafleur yesterday too and uh romeo dobbs a couple of the guys saw brian balaga walking into the facility for his presser nice. um so great day to be around Lambo. obviously wish there was better reasons um hope they find this dog um very cute dog I, and emmanuel has had the dog all of 24 hours and um so just salute to emmanuel wilson for all you dog people out there rescue a dog like emmanuel wilson did you know if you can if you can um you know there are lots of dogs that need homes. Obviously, you got to deal with the uh, the crazy flight risks sometimes, but uh, it can be worth it. So, um, yeah. shout out to him, man. That was a interesting experience and a great great way to get to know
2: some people yesterday in Green Bay. A lot of cool people I saw. So that's awesome. Yeah, the community's phenomenal up there, man. That's how that's always been my experience when I fly into town. Is like, you know i I don't want to go into great detail, but it's just pe- the people of Brown County they think very much like the large majority of the state of Tennessee. And I appreciate that. I'll just put it that way. So uh, anyway, Josh Martin with the super chat said, any word on Gary? He was put on the injury report. You know, man, it it, it kind of popped up last second, Josh. And uh, thank you for the super chat, buddy. Um, let's pull up this tweet by Paul Brettel. And um, let me drop your chat down for just a second. I'll bring it back up again, Josh Martin. Thank you for the super chat, pal. Um, So he put Packers final injury designations for Matt LaFleur, uh, questionable, Rashawn Gary, uh, Jair Alexander, and Quay Walker, doubtful, Rudy Ford. LaFleur said there was a mishap at practice with Gary, a shoulder injury. Doesn't expect it to be long-term. So that's frustrating, obviously. What does that mean? (laughs) What does a mishap mean? You know, what's crazy is earlier in the season, too, you remember when Jair hurt his back? And you remember the reason for that? Um, No. He said that he actually spilled the beans in the locker room and said, yeah, um, I was going up. He said uh, it wasn't his fault, but he was talking about Magoo. I think it was Magoo. Oh, that's right. He was playing like tied in on the scout team or something. And uh, he went up and they collided and he got hurt. And I've never heard of that before a third string quarterback playing tight end and your star cornerback getting hurt in practice. I don't mean to laugh. It's not funny. Anybody gets hurt, but it's just like, what else could go wrong this year? <laughs> and now this right here, you got another mishap at practice, a shoulder injury It's just like, they're not, they're, they're not hardly allowed to do anything in practice anymore. Right. We've talked about that and how, how the CBA is really kind of, nailed down that right so it's kind of odd that this continues to happen but Josh Martin hopefully that answers your question man and with if you hadn't asked that I might not have even pulled that injury report up and kind of dug into a little deeper but that seems very odd that uh, Rashawn Gary has that injury
0: I guess but, we'll just say at least it's not the knee yes. there, there wasn't an issue with the with the with the knee so yeah, and Rashawn's a tough tough dude so I, hopefully he's ready to go we're gonna need him on tomorrow for sure
2: definitely Definitely, man. Um, It's just, you know, I'm at a point in the season now, Tim. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. You guys know that. I shouldn't have to say it, but the second I don't say it, someone will go, oh, you wish for people – I'm not. But when you have an injury, the one positive, especially in a down year where you're trying to evaluate, is that means other people are going to get an opportunity. You're going to get a little bit better look at Van Ness maybe. You're going to get a little bit better look at Inigbare, which I think we would all agree Van Ness has now passed – and Igbari on the edge list. At least it seems that way to me. If you guys disagree, let me know in the in the chat. But um, so maybe we'll see more Van Ness tomorrow. Maybe we'll see Van Ness get that sixty to I don't know uh, what percentage might come to mind. But you know, just get a, a larger workload and it might creep up there in that uh that percent sixty five percent range. You know, as far as snaps. Um, so. I hope Gary's out there. I'm with you. We definitely need him. But at the same time, if the shoulders hurt, sit him down and let's uh, let's let the young guys play, right? Like what we talked about. So uh,
0: get a dose of Kingsley Igbari. We'll take it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And this is what's crazy, too. Omer talked about Igbari was balling in camp and over the teams last year, but he's vanished since. You know, it's kind of odd because even in the preseason you know he was like bang and then I think in the regular season there's one game it was it was a minute amount of snaps but I think he graded out elite according to PFF but the other game's in between man it's been rough you know um it's a tough league to play in but uh Van Ness I, I really want him to cut his teeth man if 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 Gary can't be out there get Van Ness out there and just let him get beat up a little bit let him understand because he's trying to what he's trying to do guys is put put some pass rush moves together. Essentially, you've got this big ball of clay, right? This dude is strong. He's fast. He's got a great attitude. He's a hard worker. All the things you look for, right? The problem is you've got to have moves and counter moves as a pass rusher in the NFL, right? His move right now is run through somebody's face, <laughs> okay? And that's a good one to have in the back pocket. But you want him to do that speed dip, speed dip and rip, right? You want him to do the swat and swim. You want him to be able to use the straight arm like any Bari kind of added to his repertoire. Repertoire. So I would really like to see him get an opportunity to kind of come out. And How cool would that be if somehow, way, you beat the Chargers, Gary isn't on the field, and Van Ness just show up and have two or three sacks? That would be, oh, my God, I would lose my mind to him.
0: I think you hit the the nail on the head for sure. Like the bull rush is cool and everything, but like, you know, this is the NFL. That's not going to work every every play. You're not pushing around, uh, you know, collegiate um, offensive tackles. So I think you're right. How does he develop that part of his game without getting real NFL reps? I mean, you can try it with the tackling dummies. You can try it at practice with your team, you know, where you're like, we just saw here, you're trying not to hurt your teammates in practice. Not to say that you're trying to hurt the guy on the field, but you know we know this game, so I think uh, I think seeing uh, LBN out there would be really cool. I just I mentioned Inigbari because I feel like I don't know if he's necessarily vanished. I just feel like he hasn't had that that consistency. I mean, he's been getting snaps, so I would think if Rashawn's out, we're probably going to get a, a pretty heavy uh, a heavier dose of both of those guys mm-hmm. for sure. But yeah, you're right, man. Uh, LBN's got to see the field more. Um, And we got it. You know, we're evaluating him just like anyone else on this roster, too. Now, obviously, he's not going anywhere for a while. Uh, He's going to be a, you know, work in progress. But, you know, against a team like the Chargers, that would be a great game to uh, to throw him out there into the fire
2: against that offense. Yeah, definitely. I like this right here. Mike in the chat says, I have a gut feeling we're winning tomorrow, boys, guys. uh, Hey. Sign me up. I'll take two. I'll take a few of those. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's hope so, man. Um, let's see. Uh, Derek K says, LVN needs to move to the inside. Man, there's a topic right there, Derek. Um, you guys know when I watch the tape – maybe you don't. Um, I When I watched the tape on him, as soon as they draft him, I did a chalk talk. You can go back and find it on this channel. Um, And I broke down his college tape. And what it screamed – like, he's not going to be a defensive lineman in a 34. What I mean is like one of those one of those three big guys playing that jam front. But I thought to myself, man, you put him on an interior defensive line in the nickel. Yeah. Go, dude. Now they haven't done it to the best of my knowledge. I don't know if he's had one snap there, Tim. I don't think he has. Um, Thanks, but you know, the other thing is, you got Kenny, you got Wyatt, you've got uh, you know TJ Slayton, obviously. You've uh, you've got all these big boys, right? That they're trying to rotate in and out in there. If you got in a situation where it was like a third and long, I would love to see LVN in and there and give those big boys a rest, right? But at the same time, when we talk about the style of drafting, the type of player that you're drafting, right, you're drafting these defensive linemen or pass rush specialists. You know, Goody's in the background going, hey, Matt, you know, uh, I spent a first-round pick on that big defensive lineman. Why ain't he in there? I guarantee you those conversations happen to him.
0: And then the response from the coach is usually like, you give me the players, I coach the players, right you know i can only work with what i got don't tell me how to use what i have
2: yeah exactly i'm
0: paraphrasing that's not a direct quote like we're not there we're not in those those meeting rooms if you were a
2: fly on the wall though i guarantee you matt's probably a little more professional and nice than that but i guarantee you that is the message kind of like hey you you guys are gonna coach the team too or you want me to i don't know (laughs) josh martin with the super chat says uh Aaron Jones injury week one altered our season a lot. Absolutely, it did, man. Absolutely, it did. Um And now you've seen like, as he's come back, he's not been the same Aaron Jones, and that's that's why I'm like, why why do we continue to try to do this if he's not fully healthy? And and I'm not sitting here saying he is fully healthy, guys. The wall is going to come eventually. It comes for everyone, right? It's come for the greatest, the Emmitt Smith, the. Barry Sanders, it would have came for him too, but he he uh, he snuck up and sucker punched it before the wall could hit him. He just said, I'm out of here, guys. <laughs> Deuces. Um, but it, it's it's tough because Aaron Jones is like, Tim, he's he's one of my top five all-time favorite packers. That guy's just oh, he's unbelievable. Um, just the human he is. Everything he stands for. But as I always try to try to give an opinion on something, i run it through the filter. of If I had to bet the form on it, has he hit the wall or has he not? I probably have to say, there's a good chance this might be the wall, and it sucks. You know, when you're that's back not
0: unfounded, right? You, right? I can see that totally. But I'll play devil's advocate. I've said this before. Every time I go there with, with a player, they surprise me and make me look stupid. So maybe uh, Jonesy will show us all that the wall is an illusion. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think, Clayton? You think he can uh, find a way to maybe maybe put, play over the wall or around the wall instead of running into it?
2: Man, I, I want I want to be like super positive and say yeah, but Tim, I'm telling you, dude, that 30 year old thing, that's a real thing. As just Especially for a as running a, back. Dude, as a person who's not an athlete, right? Like I'm telling you just the everyday and I, I try to in one of my businesses, I try to be heavily involved in the physical aspect, just so it kind of keeps me somewhat in shape. Although this year I out eat that, (laughs) but with that being said, um, when I hit that 30, that 30 grand, it was, it was around 32 where I was like, damn, this is a real thing. This sucks. Like I'm not moving the way I used to move. I'm not breathing the way I used to breathe. I'm not as flexible as I used to be those things. So it's a real thing, man. I, like I said, all I can say is I hope it's not the case, Josh. Um, but man, it's uh, it's definitely a real thing, it's a real thing for sure. Uh, let's see what else we got in here. Um, let's see. Chat Inc says, in response to, and again, Josh, thank you for the super chat chat in response to Derek K saying LVN needs to move inside. He says, uh, Derek, I disagree, keep LVM where he's at, he's 21 years old and very smart, he will get it figured out. Um, You know, when you watch him too, I'm going to pull up his PFF grade, and Tim, I want to I want to get your take on this. Like they said, 21 years old. You know, think of Kenny Clark. He was drafted at 20, right? There's a lot of football in front of LVN, and the thing I've noticed about LVN is you don't see him making mental mistakes. If there's a if there's a mental mistake he makes, it's kind of tied to a physical mistake. In he just thinks I'm going to bully people, right? And, uh, and try to run through him. Now, he did that to a tight end a couple weeks ago and forced uh, an incomplete pass. If you guys remember, he he launched that tight end like he did, um, who was it, Musgrave? No, DeGuara that he threw in training camp and everybody went nuts over. But uh, what do you think about that? I'm going to see if I can pull up his PFF and we'll deep dive him a little bit.
0: Um, I think there's a good point here. Uh, Chad's got a good point. You know, keep him where he's at. He's 21 years old, very smart. He'll get it figured out. I agree. I think, um, you know, when you have a player like this, we know he's versatile. And he probably can play both inside and outside. He can probably play on both side, left and right side, you know, whatever. But I think with a guy like this that you're trying to develop, you know, at the NFL level, I think it's important to just get him get him comfortable in one one thing. Get, get his bread and butter figured out. Like Clayton said, you know, we're still figuring out moves, pass rush moves. We're figuring out technique against NFL level talent. I would agree. I'd keep him kind of where he's at you can get a little creative, but then as we move forward in his career, you can ask him to do more things. Um, you know, we were just talking about Rashawn. I mean, let's be honest, Rashawn is a pass rusher, right? That's, I mean, are we going to, we're going to ask him to do other things other than rush the, rush the quarterback? Of course we do, but we know what his strong suit is. Um, you know, I look at L.V.N. as a guy who might, who might be able to do multiple things, but I think we have to crawl before we walk. Um, he's a rookie what he needs now is reps and he needs reps where he's at right now I would agree with that for sure
2: yeah definitely and you know it's it's something that we said it's going to take time it's whether you agree with it or not we all do understand that uh, that this is how Brian Guttekin's drafts it's these high ceiling guys right it's these guys that you think okay they've got a ton of potential and um, you know we're going to lean on that as opposed to let's take the guys that seem like they're a little more game ready right now, but may not have as high as a high of a ceiling. But uh, I've got his PFF pulled up. I was trying to pull up the SIS data too, but let's talk PFF for a second. So his overall grade this year is a sixty-two point eight. You guys know I've always talked in the past about a rookie, the rookie year. If they grade out in the sixties, to me that's a, a good rookie year. You know, you have got your great players that grade out phenomenal, like Jalen Carter. You know, you guys know I've talked. You guys are probably tired of hearing about that. You know, that's one of those players that you, once he falls out of the number five spot, you got to try to be aggressive and go get him. Um, He is grading out as one of the best defensive linemen in the game. Last I seen, he's in the nineties. So that's kind of, those are very few and far between, but typically a player that grades out in the sixties, their rookie year, much like Jair Alexander, it shows you, okay, there's the, there's the floor. That's probably going to, that's a player that's probably going to excel, right. And have a good, A good NFL career. Well, he's at a 62.8, but the exciting thing about his defensive grade being a 62.8 is his run defense grade is a 60.6 and his pass rush is a 60.1. So everything we've seen on tape, the the big thing that that I've seen as far as positives for LVM, he set the edge well in college. He had the athleticism to not only set the edge, but then break off inside and make the tackle. Um, He's a guy who blew up the running game. Just a solid run defender, and you need that. Will we all agree, Tim? We need more of that right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, you can do that within this this concept and this in this scheme overall, right? You can put you some run defenders out there, and and maybe ask them to play in this system. You know, yeah. we had guys that were here to to be quote tacklers and run stoppers, and I'm not seeing it. You know, I I, I think. Um, well, that's the other thing too you know if you're trying to defend the run with like you know safety safety's coming up in the box and that kind of thing that that's one way to approach it but you know i don't know i think you can af- achieve some sort of balance with with your run defense and again like we said we're not trying to be you know run stoppers this this type of defense probably will never be a bona fide run stopping defense but you can be better against the run you can limit the run and not, you know, not get lit up by the run, not give up 205 yards on the ground in the run game, those type of things. Um, I forgot who said that. Somebody, I, it might have been Paul. I'm, I, I'm not sure, but someone mentioned maybe it was Mike Wall that said, like, man, if they, maybe half of that, you know, if we gave up a hundred, you know, a buck on the ground, maybe a hundred yards on the ground, you know, you can still win games. But if you're getting you're making these other teams look like they have Barry Sanders and they're putting up two, 200 plus yards on the ground. And you it doesn't matter what you do against the pass game. Eventually it's, you're going to get those shot plays and they're going to get scores. I mean, we saw that against Pittsburgh, literally, you know, they ran and ran and ran and then all of a sudden we're getting beat by Kenny Pickett, you know? So I don't know. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. So looking up Lucas Van Ness's pressure percentage according to SIS. Now, it's hard, guys, because you've got to sort by linebacker and defensive end, although have got them listed as a defensive end, so maybe they have it fixed to where they consider Green Bay's outside linebackers to be defensive ends. Um, if that's the case, I'm going to try it again here. I wanted to look at his pressure percentage and see exactly where he fell uh, amongst defensive ends there. And um, he's sitting right now um, at 9.5%. That ties him for 64th highest pressure percentage amongst defensive ends and again again i'm listed as a defensive end so i'm assuming they took the the off the uh on ball linebackers out and put them as defensive ends that's what it kind of looks like here so with that being said um 9.5 percent 66 best that's right there borderline of a starting uh defensive end because obviously 64 is the cutoff so I think you've got a lot of promise there. Now, when you look at his PFF grades as far as weekly goes, week one, 60.8, week two, 71.6, week three, 66.9, week four, 46.1. So that drops your overall grade down tremendously there against Detroit. And he he actually had 37 snaps in that game. So you see a larger workload there in Detroit. The grade dipped Uh, against Vegas, 68.5, against Denver, 59.6. Against Minnesota in week eight, 70.2, 68.8 against L.A. And then last week he only got 19 snaps and he dipped to 48.0 against Pittsburgh. So you're seeing the floor only two games in the 40s, right? None in the 50s. The The honest floor evaluation is right around that PFF grade of 60. And so far the the uh, the ceiling has been about 71.6 according to PFF. And again, with a nine, nine and a half, 9.6%, uh, 9.5% pressure rate. So uh I think I think he's doing what you want a young uh rookie to do, right? You know, obviously we want him to be great, but you're kind of seeing that floor established. And again, the fact that he's decent in a run defense as well gives me a lot of hope for him to be a balanced defender. But what do you think about that right there, Tim? Any other comments you want to add?
0: Sorry, I was on mute. I think um LVN is uh you know the thing I like the most about watching him in the reps that he does get is that the game doesn't look too fast for him. Mm -hmm. Um, It really doesn't. I mean, for a rookie, you see guys getting roasted usually or getting bowled over or they're they're misreading. They don't know what's going on. They look confused half the time. That's not LVN. LVN, like we talked about his football IQ and his intelligence. He is a smart player um, and not making typical rookie mistakes. So that's that's a plus for me. That's one thing that stood out to me right away is a, a guy that looks like he's ready for this level. Now the technique's going to come around, right? We talk yeah. about hands and and the moves that'll come around, but at least it's not he doesn't look lost. He doesn't look panicked. You know, you see rookies that, that get into the fire and they're like, holy crap, look how look how fast and strong these guys are compared to the, you know, the dudes that are starting hedge funds or whatever they're doing now that aren't, that I went to college with that aren't playing, aren't playing football anymore. So, you know, LVN's not that dude. Um, yet again, another, another one of these guys we can talk about, you know, as a rookie that uh, isn't, isn't playing like a typical rookie, I would say. So yeah. promising future for
2: uh, the loop miss monster. Definitely. Uh, Nick McSwain in the chat said, what's Vanessa's snap count? Is it going up? All right, let's look at that. So his snap count, his total snap count on the year is 209. So if we went back through the weekly, okay, starting week one to week 10, just to kind of give you an idea, week one, 35 snaps, week two, 18 snaps, three, 13 snaps, week four, 37 snaps, week five, 26 snaps, week seven, 16 snaps, week eight, 26 snaps, week nine, 20 snaps, week 10, 19 snaps. So, he peaked around week four, and then of course we know Gary was healthy by then, so you see the numbers drop a bit. So I'm saying if Gary misses this game, I think there's a good chance that you uh, you have uh, you have him maybe peak back in the 30s, you know, 35 range, somewhere around there. Um, uh, the other thing too, when you look at the Chargers, and we'll get ready to wrap this big bear up, the Chargers uh, pressure that they've allowed, okay, on their quarterback this year, 36 percent of the time their quarterback's being pressured that's 20th in the league. Okay. That's 20th best, I should say. So, uh, right there, uh, in the bottom half of the league, as far as the pressure that's being, um, applied to, uh, to, uh, Justin Herbert. Right. So there's a good chance that this, uh, this front four, front five, however many you're bringing, you guys know, we talked about the defensive identity and how many times the majority of the time we're bringing four second, we're bringing five, right. Um, there's a chance we get some pressure on Herbert, and that's what it's going to take to win this ball game for sure because Keenan Allen's a monster. And I know he's not fully healthy, but it sounds like he's probably going to go last I heard. So uh, might get an yeah, opportunity, yeah. though, man, to get to get some pressure on him, too.
0: They got that Austin Eckler fella, too, correct? That, that guy's kind of a problem. He's still
2: there. That's wild. I believe so.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's so hard for me to keep up with the entire NFL. I used to be able to say that and be like, okay, you know, this player's here, this player's there. But since I started doing the pod and I've got a deep dive the Packers a lot more now, it's like it's everything. I'm gonna right. laugh
0: if I'm wrong and he's not there anymore. Can someone confirm that? Yeah,
2: let's look at yeah, somebody in the chat confirmed that for us.
0: Maybe I maybe I am wrong. I don't know.
2: I know he I'm was supposed totally to be get a free you. agent, but he might have re-signed with them, you know.
0: Yeah, did he did he end up with LA? That's that's funny. The posse will get on it. We'll we'll find yep, oh, there it is. Derek, Derek's got it. Eric K.
2: I love this chat, dude. It's so it's like you ever watch a Rogan podcast? You know, he's got Jamie in the back, right? Like yeah. our, our chat is Jamie. So bring it up, Jamie. <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly. And our chat might be faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no
2: doubt. No doubt. Let's see here. Uh Creed in the chat says LVN and Gary both six five, two seventy, very similar body tops, and athletically, in a few seasons, we could certainly have the best pass rush duel. I think that was Goody's goal, right? Was to look up and say, okay. When Preston's when Preston Smith's career starts to wind down, just like they did with Gary when they had Preston and Zedarius, you know, they kind of brung Gary on slow and bang, you got a superstar, right? Now you've got LVN learning behind them, and then you could plug him in. Imagine those two rushing, much like you know, the LA Chargers have, Tim. I wonder how many times I've said San Diego on this show. I bet I've said it a bunch and didn't even notice it. My bad. LA Chargers. Um, look at that pass rush they have there between Bosa and Mac, right? That's kind of the goal, but again, um, the thing that gives me a lot of hope in LVM for the future is is, is you could tell he's going to round out that run defense. He, to me, I think he's going to be a better run defender than Rashawn Gary is, I which will that.
0: create balance—a little bit yeah. of balance in this in this uh, defense, you know, which is kind of what what we need, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. All right, guys. We are gonna. Yeah, I agree with that. Creed says LVN gives me Aaron Campman vibes. Yeah, you know Aaron Campman played defensive end in the four three. They tried to convert him to thirty four outside linebacker. The knee gave out, and obviously we never seen it come to fruition. But you're exactly right, Aaron Campman. I see that, um, and it's not because they're a couple white uh, country corn uh, corn fed cats. You know what I mean? Like I know it, it immediately when people read that creed, they're gonna go, "Oh, why? Because he's what? No, because." They both play the run as good as they play the pass. That's how Aaron Campman was. Everybody, calm down. Put your racial swords down for just a second, please. God, it's a color, okay? Yeah.
0: And, <laughs> or, and all we see when we bleed
2: read, red, I promise. Right, and we're
0: evaluating football players, right? That—that's yeah. what it is. You're a football player. You got a helmet and pads on, man. That's yeah. what we're looking at.
2: Yeah. It's funny. Creed's going, I didn't say that. <laughs> I know you didn't, know you didn't. <laughs> but that's what I love about people like Aaron Jones that just like, man, you can tell that it's just, we're all human, you know, and, uh, he, he, he's just one of those players that I look forward to him being a part of the Packer family his entire life, even after he retires. Cause he's just, he's done so many good things, man. So many good things, but, uh, We'll end it with here. Omer in the chat says, uh, another great show. Tim and Clayton PTA posse rocking the house again. Go Pack Go. Appreciate you being in here, buddy. I want to thank everybody in the chat. You guys were phenomenal, man. Um, the fact that we can lean on you guys to look stuff up as I'm digging through and Tim's filling the air while I'm over here typing like the boomer that I am, you know, trying to figure it out. Um, I love I love the dynamic we all have together. It's, it's, just, it's a lot of fun, no doubt. So um, just want to give a special shout out to the Super Chats. Appreciate you guys. Uh, Josh Martin in here today. Thank you so much for supporting the stream, buddy. Everybody in the chat, thank you guys so much for interacting. Like I said, you always make this show. Um, We're going to be back tomorrow morning for uh, Good Morning Lambo, and it's going to be the pregame edition. So we're going to be doing a pregame show. Obviously, kickoffs at uh, 12 Central, right, Tim? I didn't dream that, right?
0: Yeah, that's a nooner.
2: Yep, Got a nooner. So we'll be in here um, probably 1030 Central. 1130 Eastern. Okay. Wait a minute. I mean, yeah, that's right. And what it'll do is run you up to about 30 minutes before game time. So if you guys hop in here for Good Morning Lambeau, um, to uh, to get, you know, the inactives, we should be able to have those for you about halfway through the show, right? And it's awesome, too. Again, the chat usually is the one who spills the beans there, which is awesome. So I'm over here trying to dig through Twitter, and they get it before I can get to it. Um, but uh, we'll have that. I want to say this. Last shout-out. Last time, guys. Last time. The autographed Dave Robinson jersey, right? The three winners were Gunsmoke Games, Casey Zarnowski, and Jason Tebow. Jason Tebow has already reached out, okay? So if I don't hear from Gunsmoke Games or Casey Zarnowski by midnight tonight we're going to give that jersey to the third person in the drawing there, which was Jason Tebow. So if you're one of those two people, shoot me an email, packerstotalaccess at gmail.com. Don't try anything funny. I will know if it's you. we got ways to cross-check and make sure it's you. Um, So don't try to steal somebody's jersey, obviously. You're going to – only thing that's going to happen, is you're going to get banned from the channel. But uh, as of right now, it looks like Jason Tebow is getting that jersey unless we hear from either Gunsmoke Games or Casey. So with that being said, uh, we're going to get out of here. Tim, appreciate you hopping on, man, late – coming in a little bit late, and I appreciate it, man. It helps me fill up the the air time here, and uh, always fun to chat it up with the PTA Posse. We're going to be back. uh, Tonight as well for PTA Live. I just want to do a plug for the pregame show tomorrow. That way you guys know that's coming up. But tonight at uh, 7 Central, 8 Eastern, we're going to be doing PTA Live. We'll give you the latest information. Maybe we'll have some more information leak out on Rashawn Gary, that type of thing. And anything else that breaks, we'll we'll be there. So, uh, yeah, with that being said, look, Chris, and we're going to end it with that. said, Tim, looking clean today, man. A fresh dry skippy. You know what I'm saying? All right, we're out of here, guys. Y'all are like, you're way too wide to be saying stuff like that. It is true. Uh, For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pat go.